When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Arm Layton, and in today's episode, we have an interview with Twins pitching prospect Matt Cantorino, who is a really, really talented arm that we haven't been able to see throw since 2022 due to Tommy John surgery, but when he is on the field, when he has been on the field so far as a pro, he has been dynamite, arguably one of the most dominant Pitchers in the minor leagues pitching to a 1.48 ERA since being drafted in the second round back in 2019 by the Minnesota Twins. But, I mean, to to pitch to a 1.48 ERA... To strike out 39% of batters as a professional is absolutely absurd. It isn't only 85 innings of work, and that's the the frustrating part because every time he's been on the mound, it's it's been stretches and flashes of, of absolute dominance, and unfortunately a nagging elbow injury that he would try to rehab, and then unfortunately it would come back, and, and it results in him missing some time has limited him to what was just 25 innings in 2019, then he had 23 innings in 20. 2021 and then 37 more innings in 2022 but the ridiculous part about that is you know, at each of those stops right that's a 144 ERA in 2019 between rookie ball and low A then in 2021 between low A and high A a 0.78 ERA and then in 2022 between mostly double A you had a little bit of rookie ball rehab appearances but it was 34 and a third of the 37 innings in double A now we're we're talking about legitimate competition like really tough bats now in the Texas league he pitches to a 1.83 ERA and it's important to note that's in the midst of dealing with some flare-ups with his arm right I mean coming back from you know either rehabbing or trying to pitch through some discomfort and still being able to dominate to that level so it's really exciting to see that Matt Canarino one is healthy and ready to go for the season and two just in a really good spot mentally you can just tell how excited he is for the season to start how excited he is to potentially contribute to the Minnesota Twins this year and he really can I mean this is a really talented arm I'm not just saying that because he was on the show we're going to get to the Minnesota Twins top prospects in the next couple weeks and and Canarino is going to be comfortably within the top 10 and that's saying a lot because he didn't throw last year and we only have 85 innings of work in the minor leagues but we're talking about three plus pitches here a fastball that is easily plus a slider that is disgusting and easily a plus pitch and then he has a changeup, which we talk about in detail about the grip and how unique it is it's like a Vulcan circle change crazy grip that he was able to figure out there and that pitch you could argue is plus plus with his feel for it and the screwball type of action that it has so you got three plus pitches here the question is how much 
can he be stretched out? How much can he get built up? And that's something that we talk about. Uh, the goal and, and the idea is that he could potentially throw more than 100 innings, somewhere between 100 and 125 innings this coming season. That was something that he mentioned on the show as well. I don't want to give it all away, but some important points before we go into it is that, you know, it wasn't a shoulder and then an elbow and then this and that and that. It was the same elbow nagging issue that he finally gets the Tommy John for and he feels confident and I think the Twins feel confident that that's going to rectify the arm trouble in general. But more on Cantorino, the pitcher in person, he's an extremely unique guy because he's a really smart pitcher, a smart dude. You'll you'll be able to tell that immediately. I mean, pitching at Rice, you know, this that's not an easy school. Of course, no matter what school you go to, uh, you can definitely, if you're an athlete, find your way, you know, around the easier classes and, and work your way through. And, and Rice is a really good baseball school, so you know, I'm sure that, that they've got some some things in place there to make it easier for some of those who don't take the academics as seriously. But Canarino, I mean, he kind of knew from the jump. I mean, getting action as a freshman, striking out 111. At you know Rice, which again is a good program, turns out plenty of professional baseball players every single year. He had several on his team. Uh, clearly, at that point, you're striking out 111 in your freshman year uh, in Division One. You, you're probably got a pretty good chance of playing professional baseball. Then his sophomore year, he pitches to a 3.06 ERA, strikes out 116 in 94 innings. But in the midst of all this, of course, also follows that up that summer, by the way, and goes to Falmouth in the Cape Cod League and and pitches to a 2.59 there. So at that point, he knows he's getting drafted. But through all of this. He's taking the academics super seriously. He's majoring in engineering and really, like he mentions on the show, staying up past midnight, studying, doing all these things to make sure that, you know, if baseball isn't there for him or when baseball is no longer there for him, that he can dive into a career in engineering and something that he still wants to do. But it was really fascinating to hear. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm trying to imagine putting myself in his shoes. I, I did not like school at all. And if you put me in a situation where I start to realize that I could be not only a draft pick, a potential day one draft pick, it's going to be hard for me to take my my studies as seriously uh, as I think Canarino did. So that says a lot about him. But then being able to tie that into how it helps him on the mound, it's funny because he's a thoughtful guy. He likes numbers. He likes math. And I was like, man, with all the information we have pitching now, you must have had a ball, you know, getting that instant feedback, being able to pitch design and being able to you know, see what you do well and, and what you can improve. And sure enough, it, yeah, that was exactly the case. And we end up going about 15 minutes longer than I promised because uh, we end up talking about pitch shapes for about 10, 15 minutes, uh, talking about the change of grip and, and how he was able to use the information that he was getting from the rap Soto to continue to tinker with his arsenal a little bit, optimize the slider, make sure that the slider works off of his fastball well. Uh, and of course, he's got help with that in the Minnesota Twins organization, as so many of these organizations have people in place to to be able to help pitchers maximize their arsenal from you know a numerical and, and, and data standpoint as well and pitch shape side of things. But you could tell that this was something that he took a special interest in and something that really resonated with him. And when you have a player that's able to lean into that, take the information that you give to him, apply it, and and really turn it into what we've seen Canarino's arsenal turn into, uh, it's pretty amazing stuff. But I don't want to make it sound like he had some okay arsenal and then went into the lab and just changed everything. This guy naturally just had a crazy fastball with 20 inches of vert and, and a unique delivery that makes it even harder to pick up. He, he naturally had a nasty slider, uh, but it was more of the optimization of it. And then, of course, tweaking that change up to a new grip and, and a new feel that really put the, the three pitch mix over the top. But it's one thing to have three quality pitches. It's another thing to have three quality pitches that work well off of each other. And that seemed to be where Canarino maximized, right? He had the three quality pitches, but then being able to lean into how can I tweak these three pitches to tunnel off of each other well, to be difficult to separate uh, if you're the hitter, and, and really to just keep hitters off balance and feel like they have no idea what's coming and can't separate, you know, until the last 15 feet or so. And that's exactly what he's been able to do. So now you take three plus pitches. You take three pitches that tunnel off of each other really well. And you got a guy that commands the zone pretty well also. And you've got somebody that could be a really 
good pitcher. The question is, is he going to start? It sounds like, as he talked about in the episode, that the Twins are going to give him the opportunity to build up and potentially start. He may end up being more beneficial to the Twins this year as a reliever, but you never know. Pitchers go down. He could end up plugging into the rotation. He could be a swingman type. We saw Chris Paddock come up at the end of last year more in the reliever role. Now he's going to start. So I think the focus is get Canarino healthy, build him up, and get him going, and then see how things go from there. But I'd imagine that they're going to stagger his innings a little bit because, I mean, the Twins, they know what they've got here. They've got a guy that could help push them across the finish line in the second half of the season. They've got a dude that can get big league hitters out right now with his stuff and has an arsenal that does not discriminate in terms of he shouldn't have platoon issues. He should be able to get lefties and righties out pretty consistently with that three-pitch mix and that fastball that, you know, is almost mid-90s with 21 inches of vert. It's a really fun arsenal. It's really good stuff. And and the fact that now he is healthy and ready to get back on the mound in a game setting, I can't wait to see what this guy does. Awesome dude, easy to root for, and especially rooting for him after the layoff from 23. And you could just tell how eager he is to get back on the mound and how hard he has worked to be able to do so. With that said, let's kick to the interview here with Matt Canarino. But before that, a quick break. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And here's Twins right-handed pitching prospect Matt Canarino, who has had some ridiculous stretches in the minor leagues, some absolutely dominant season so far, but we didn't get to see a throw last year. Now you're in Fort Myers getting ready for the season, already throwing. So excited to talk to you about everything. But most importantly, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on and talk to us. Yeah, thank you, Arm, for having me. I'm super excited to be here and be able to give a little bit of a spiel about what I'm looking forward to most of the season. So, yeah, shoot away whenever you, whatever you got. I got a lot, you know, and, and I know that <laughs> you have a lot of answers as well. And and there's a lot of things to to dive into, but you know, I'll go a little bit out of order because I do want to just start with where you're at right now, which is I'm imagining really excited to just get going. You, you mentioned just before we hit record that you've kind of had the introductories and kind of just getting everything rolling for spring training to get going. Of course, pitchers and catchers get there a little bit early compared to everybody else. And you've been getting work in there, you know, for the last year on and off. But where are you at right now and, and how are you feeling as you get it going into spring training? Yeah, I feel really good and I feel really excited is the best way to put it. Um, so like a lot of my friends that I'm running into around the complex and everything are asking me like, are you excited? Are you really geared up? And like, what are you most looking forward to and everything? And my answer to them is that like, so technically I've been pretty close to cleared now for a while. I got surgery in August of 22. So the 12 month mark for me was August of last year, actually. So I did get to face batters in like live bullpen sessions last October, but like 
facing hitters at that point in time in my bullpen sessions didn't really feel like as exciting as I would have hoped to because I wasn't really building up for every for anything. Um, yeah. The goal was always to be ready for uh, spring training 2024, whereas like me throwing live bullpen sessions last October, I was just building up to be able to say, okay, you're good to go for next year. So it wasn't as exciting in that terms. Uh, but now that I'm really like getting into the nitty gritty, throwing live bullpens to be able to start pitching in games, like within the next couple of weeks or so, like it feels real and it feels so cool to be around all my friends and stuff again, who uh, I've played with kind of up through the minor leagues. And it's, it's, it's just an unreal feeling. And I just feel really blessed to be back here at this point. So talk about just just the process of kind of getting back on the mound. I think at the end of the year, like you mentioned, even in, in a controlled setting, uh, it had to at least expedite the process now of getting your feet under you a little bit, right, for camp. Because if this was the first time you were really thrown against batters, I'm sure you'd feel even more rusty to a degree. Like, How did you kind of get ready for this through the offseason since – you didn't have live game setting, but you did still get to throw to batters. And then now, you know, you're getting going in spring training. What was the offseason like for you since you were, like you said, kind of cleared, but you still haven't played right. in a game setting yet? So I think a lot of that was just really pushing it, not pushing it, but like really pushing myself during the rehab to be cleared as the season ended last year, mm -hmm. like have like no question marks going into the offseason. And that way I could actually treat the offseason like as normal as possible. So it, it, my goal was that like I did well, I did was to do well enough in my rehab that by the time off season came around, like you'd be able to look at me and be like, wow, I didn't even know that you were injured. You look like you threw 125 innings this past year, 150 innings this past year. So that was kind of the approach we took. And, 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 and I, I think I hit that goal. So it was, I, in October, I was facing batters. I was throwing well, my velocity had a returned and everything. Uh, my stuff was where it had left off like pre-surgery and uh, we were able to, the twins and I were able to compliment and say, yep, you can go into this off season. You can go enjoy your time with your family since you've been working hard here in Florida and you can go do the things that you think you need to do to be ready for spring training. And so that was really fortunate. I took a long buildup process to get ready. Start, I started throwing like uh, middle of November or so started throwing bullpens like middle of December or so, like very light volume. And then right uh, last week was my first live bullpen of the year where I started facing hitters again. And I probably have a few more of those before I'll be able to start pitching in spring training games, wherever that is. So I'm excited for that. And, and how'd that live bullpen feel? It felt really good. It was, it was really cool. I had a lot of support from my teammates that kind of knew what I went through this past year that were really excited for me. So like a lot of them out there watching and everything, a lot of people question, uh, like asking me if they weren't able to get out there because they were doing their own work, asking me how it went, asking me how it felt, asking me what the emotions were and everything. And like, it never got old, like being able to answer those questions because it, it really was a, a good feeling and it felt like a nice reward. Obviously the job's not finished or anything like that. I still got 162 games ahead of me and a full spring training for that matter as well. But it was like one of those things, you got to stop and smell the roses at some point. Absolutely. So to be able to kind of come into spring training at this stage and feel the way I did was super encouraging. I want to do like a full lap here. So we'll go kind of back to the beginning and then it'll bring us right back to spring training because your journey is really unique as well. Just being a guy that you know, played right away as a freshman at Rice and, and you know, was a key part in, in your team's rotation right away. You, you pitched to a four ERA as a freshman strike at 111 and 96 innings in Conference USA. But then it was that that sophomore year where, I think it really started to come together to the point where it's like, okay, this is a potential day one guy here, right? Like this is a guy that can really throw. And then of course you go on the Cape, you put up great numbers there. And then that junior season, you were lights out pitching to a two, eight, one ERA. You punched out 121 in 99 and thirds innings. I know that you were a heck of a player in high school as well. And I'm sure that you always had these aspirations, but was there a point in time? Was it in college or maybe you, you always kind of felt it in high school where things started to really click and you're like, oh man, I, I can really do this thing for a living for a long time. Yeah, well, first off, I got to just say thank you to like Rice University, the college I went to for like giving me the opportunity to be able to pitch in front of them. I got to thank my head coaches, Wayne Graham and uh, Larry Braga uh, that were able to uh, uh, 
kind of like, like I said, give me those opportunities to be able to kind of go out there and pitch. But uh, it was, I would say the thing that I, I would say that the thing that I was uh, most focused on, like during those times and when I was figured out like, okay, this could be a future for me, was just, it was just staying available and continuously doing like the things that made me good. And a lot of that was just throwing, uh, like working to like improve my off-speed pitch. I, I developed a curveball in college that ended up being a really good strikeout pitch for me. I developed a harder slider in college. that also ended up being a really good pitch for me that I could throw for strikes as well. And I really narrowed in some like, uh, fine development things that just let me be able to compete at that level. And then once I found out that I was able to like keep my team in the game regularly, then it was just like, keep on doing it, see what happens. And it, and at the end of the day, baseball is a game. So it's like, you don't want to put like too much pressure on yourself, but you do want to just, but you obviously want to do great because that's the competitive side coming out of me. So I would say like, that was just the main thing that kind of kept me on track there. And like when I figured out like, okay, this could be like a future in that for me. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is, is your mechanics, right? I'm sure you, you get asked about it all the time um, yeah. and, and they're unique and unique is usually good almost always good when it comes to pitching because uh, we always talk about this on the show especially with fastballs or, or any pitch in general like you want to stray from the norm as much as possible usually from a data perspective but also mechanically if you throw hitters off you do both uh there's some yep. really unique aspects of of the pitch shapes and pitch data that uh, i think are a big reason why you're able to generate so much whiff but also the mechanics the delivery it's i, I can't really say that i've seen another person throw the way that you do but at the end of the day you are, end up just dominating and throwing hitters timing off and and it's just something that I always wonder when I see someone throw like you like how did you get there is that just what came natural to you did you have the idea of wanting to disrupt timing were you trying to look for a cue like how did you get to the point to where you have these unique mechanics and, and did anyone ever try to just dissuade you from that yeah I would say that uh I'll, I'll start with like where I started throwing like that. I think the, uh, the thing you're most referring to would be like kind of in the windup, I have like a little hitch at the top where it's like mm -hmm. kind of raise my arms and leg and come down at the same time with it and then break. And it looks a little awkward. It looks like you said, it's a, it's a little tough to time if you're a hitter and for like actually picking that up, it was, it's kind of funny like that. I actually got that one. Like I didn't do it intentionally. It ended up kind of coming a little bit naturally, like you said, but I got the idea from a high school pitching camp that I went to one time. I was uh, working with a coach who ended up uh, who was watching me throw a bullpen and goes like, Hey, you look like your front, your top half and your lower half are not in sync. Like whenever you throw, there's like a little drill that sometimes I give people, like he said, it was a drill. It's not like he didn't go and say, change your whole delivery to be able to do this, but there's a little drill. It's where, where you raise your, you raise your uh, arms and you raise your leg at the same time. And then you lower them at the same time and break. So it's like you raise and break at the same time to be able to like kind of establish a rhythm. And I kind of just <laughs> took that idea and ran with it. For some reason, I really like the feel of it. So even like whenever I was from the windup or I would raise my leg, raise my arms at the same time and then break it at the same time as I came down to be able to try to keep my lower half and my top half in sync. And it didn't hurt my strike throwing ability at the time. And I think like, I'm a very like, one track mind person. So I, I do like replicating like uh, mechanics and everything and doing like the same thing over and over again. So I think I was it actually kind of established a little bit of a rhythm for me and I was able to throw strikes well within that delivery. So it kind of just kept on going from that point on. So yeah, nothing really like it, it, it kind of occurred naturally, but it did stem from like a drill that I uh, picked up on one time. I don't know why I just latched onto it, but it worked. Maybe I threw maybe I threw the best I did ever after that, but I don't even remember now at this point. So it just kind of happened. Do you, do you remember what what year that was exactly that you started doing that more? I believe that was my sophomore year of high school. So it was oh, wow. like I just yeah, it was early. So I've been doing it for a while. I mean, yeah, I still got pictures of me in high school where it's like it's like I mean I call it like a flamingo pose or something just because it's like I'm I'm up high on one leg, my hands are up high, my 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 uh my knees up high like towards my chest, and like that's like one of the the things that like probably uh that like if you if you see me pitch like oh you're like oh yeah that's all my friends imitate my motion and everything and that's the part that they over emphasize is like my hand and my leg being super high up at the top of my delivery 
And that's something that, I mean, Kershaw's kind of dramatic with that too, right? With with the similar cue of, of having that like hands and leg going up straight down and yeah. then out. So I, it makes sense. And, and if it's a drill that, you know, most people aren't able to, to, to make that happen in games, but there's a reason why it's a drill. I, yeah. What do you think allows you to be able to do that with success and, and with repetition? Is it athleticism? Is it like lower half strength balance? I, I know you're like, Price like smiling. I don't know. I don't want to gas yeah. up my own athleticism, but like, there's got to be <laughs> you're a professional athlete. Like, you obviously can do yeah. a lot of things that like someone like me can't. Like, what is it that allows you to do that though? Because that is I not a lot of thing to do 60, 70, 80, 100 times a game. Yeah. I think it's just like one of those things. Like, I'm the person, like, if you tell me to do a task like 60 to 70, 80 times in a row, the exact same way in a row every time, like, I for some reason, that's just something that comes like fairly easy for me. I was like an engineer in college. Like that was my degree and everything. I'm a very A to B to C kind of person. So if you can give me like a drill or something and you just tell me do this every single time, like that was actually, that's actually something that meshes pretty well with my brain. So I think I just ended up doing that. I ended up replicating it. And like, it even goes like stems further than that too. Like a lot of like my stuff, like in my delivery, it's like, I'm throwing to the same spot every single time. Like I tell, like I'm notorious for telling catchers, Hey, set up in this spot every single time to be able to like, so I can like create some rhythm, create, try to do the same thing over and over again and limit like the amount of like, obviously I, I allow for like some like adjustments and everything like that, but it's like, I'll, I, I do like some sort of consistency as well, just because I feel like it limits the amount of variables that like can change in like a certain like amount of time. And, and the goal of the game is to be as successful throwing strikes as much as possible. So that was just something that was like, once I was able to develop a rhythm into it, it kind of felt like it actually helped me throw strikes a little bit more. What about the glove side of things too? Because I think another aspect that, that is disruptive is that, that it not disruptive to you, disruptive to the hitter is, is that glove kind of flying at you first. And then the arm comes like behind it. It just seems like there's a lot of things flying at hitters at the same time, but it, it creates kind of this uphill angle for you where you really drop down low. You have your front, you know, your front lead leg, kind of straightened out and you're pushing from there. But when you're down into that back hip, getting ready to push off the rubber, your, your glove hand is, is pretty much pointing, you know, diagonally yeah. in, in the air. Is that another cue for you or just something that again, always, almost always came natural to you? That one, I would say, Oh, probably more so came naturally to me. Uh, I think that it's just one of those things. It was like where it was comfortable. And that was like me kind of going down and up with the arm was like, the most comfortable way for me to get my arm in a good position at foot strike. I, I, I don't like, I, I wasn't like a person that needs to be like right here to right there to mm-hmm. be able to get my arm in a good position at foot strike. Like that was just the comfortable thing for me to be able to get it where it needed to be, to be able to feel good. So that one is definitely a little bit more natural. So I guess I'll just have to thank years of throwing for that happening. <laughs> And and then the fastball, you know, it, it's ticked up big time. You know, in 2021, I think was where you you saw the big uptick from you know, more of the low 90s, more into the mid 90s. What was it that kind of helped you make those those gains? Was it something specific in the in the weight program side of things, or a slight mechanical adjustment? You know, how did you really enjoy? It was like a two, to, if I'm not mistaken, two to three, maybe even four tick gain on the fastball. Yeah, I think that. Um... So kind of looking back at it now, it's, it's, uh, um, the twins did a great job of, uh, giving me a program that like put me in a good position to like, like a good weight program and everything to be able to put me in a position to like start throwing harder and throwing harder more often. Um, I think like one of the main things that like actually helped, uh, to, or that, that helped in addition was the fact that, uh, I wasn't. I was, I was a pretty good uh, student in college and everything, and I was pretty dialed into my academics. I think the fact that when I was able to f- focus solely on, like, baseball and not having to worry about, like, school and grades and stuff on top of that, I think I was just able to devote a lot more focused time and energy into baseball. And I think some of, like, my movement patterns and some of, like, my intent and some of my energy levels kicked up during that time period, just because I was only focusing on baseball at that time. And so I was able to get a few mile per hour increase. And so I, 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 uh, kind of kept with that and was a sizable increase. And I was super fortunate with that. I think the COVID year, um, provided a unique opportunity in terms of like having half a year or, or a full year, half a year, I'll say half a year of like straight, like development, meaning like throwing bullpens, working on stuff that like 
you think will help you in game and doing like targeted like velo work or something like that whereas that you probably don't are not able to focus solely on during the season so i think that it was like a combination of a lot of things but i think those were the main contributing factors so you mentioned what you were studying if, if you weren't playing baseball professionally what, what what would have been the dream the dream profession uh you know being an academic guy and and, and studying what you studied so i uh still say that um uh i still say to my friends and everything that even after i don't have my degree currently uh once i was drafted my junior year i have like a a few credits remaining that I'll go, I have to come finish them in person because they're senior design. But I still say that whenever I uh, am done with baseball, whether I'm done after 10 years or two years or whatever it is, um, that I want to uh, be, I want to be an engineer still after baseball. Like I want to use my degree. I want to go back and finish that because that was a passion of mine in college as well. I loved the people that I worked with. I loved my friends that were in my major. I loved what I did. I loved the classes I took. And I, I, and I love my university as well. So a lot of those combination of things is uh, leads me to think that I would still want to hold like a career as an engineer as for like a specific type. Like, I, so my degree is in mechanical engineering. So as a, for like the specific t- type of like mechanical engineer, like what type of industry I would want to go into yet, I honestly probably can't give you super distinct of an answer because all the time that could have probably gone to like researcher or like internships in college ended up going towards summer baseball yeah. and everything like that as well. So you have to kind of pick and choose some of your battles. So, but I'll figure that out down the road at some point. Yeah. I mean, instead you were, you know, shoving for the Falmouth Commodore. So I mean, it, it works out in different ways, but that, that is really cool because, you know, we've had some, some guys on in the past and it always seems to be the pitchers that I think have a little bit more of the, the unique, uh, I think other side and, and Cal Quantrill was talking about, you know, a lot of the things that he loved to study in, at Stanford and, um, you know, in another world, what he wants to do. And um, that that's the cool part of it, right? Is you can, you have like another chapter to your life whenever this is done to uh, be able to fulfill that dream and pursue that. And obviously Rice, Rice is not an easy academic school. So I know for, for the guys that are surviving their baseball and academically, it's gotta be, I, like you mentioned, just a, almost a whole different world and almost a breath of fresh air when you only have to worry about baseball when you were going to a school like that, that's you know pretty intensive academically in a, in a major that is not easy either. Uh, did you ever have any like hesitance to say, oh, maybe I could take an easier route academically, probably seeing a couple of teammates on the, uh, on the easy athlete fast track, maybe compared to some of the others? You know, like I, I, I give a lot of credit or to, to like the people who kept me engaged. It's the fact I did like my major a lot, but I really liked the people that I was in my major with. Like I remember being up past midnight, like fairly often doing problem sets with like a great group of people that would just made the experience, although busy, like very enjoyable. And just like baseball is a passion of mine, so is math and science, so is engineering and Obviously, I decided to explore my passion for baseball right now, which is like I have no regrets and it's it's fantastic and I'm beyond enjoying every moment of it. But it's like math and science and engineering is another passion of mine that I just once I was in it. Yes, it was busy, but it never really felt like a burden. But it did take time and energy. Don't get me wrong. That that is. But it never felt like a burden. Like it was Mm -hmm. ever like something I didn't want to do. And I, I just was trying to remember it's, it was the same thing with Cal Quantrill engineer as well. So uh, it's mm. funny, the two, two pitcher engineers, and I'm sure there's probably a couple others out there. Like <laughs> It just seems oh, to be yeah, something sure. that uh, there's some, some minor overlap on, but uh, talking about engineering pitches here now too, which, which is the interesting side of it because the changeup has just become uh, a weapon for you, but the slider has just always been a problem. And then the fastball from a data perspective, you know, you averaged like 21 inches of vert. Uh, was that something that I'll start with the fastball, I guess. And then we'll, we'll kind of go pitch by pitch here with the fastball. I think some people probably just don't even realize that they're able to naturally generate that, that induced vertical break and, you know, have that ride to the fastball. But now we're in, we're in a world where if you do that, they'll help you hone in on that. If you don't, you know, they'll try to figure out ways to, to maximize that. Is that something that's always been there for you? Have you always had that that ride on the fastball? Or was that something that, you know, kind of looking at some of the more advanced data, some being able to work with, you know, TrackMan and Rapsodo, you were able to optimize a bit more as time went on? So that was uh, the the movement on the fastball is something that I uh, came 
naturally to me, I didn't have like TrackMan data or anything to support like, like to show me that like this was actually how my stuff compared to like other fastballs. Mm -hmm. Like um, at the time, I didn't get that information until I was with the Twins, but I had eyes. I had good coaches that were able to help game plan for me. And we were able to figure out like, hey, whenever I tried to just throw it up in the zone or get in on people's hands a little bit more and just like not really try to drive everything through the bottom of the zone, uh, my fastball played well and I got a lot of swing and miss on it. So that was uh, that was something that kind of just uh, like I never really had to uh, worry about was like the actual movement. And then once I was able to get like concrete data showing like, hey, this is how much better your fastball actually is compared to people, then it was just something I was able to lean into a bit more and then also gave me a bit more ideas on what I need to do like in terms of OSPI usage, because a lot of that stuff plays off the fastball as well. So, uh, and that was kind of like how, like I decided like what I eventually like wanted my slider, my changeup to look like too, after that. How much fun is the pitch design side of things now with the information that you have available, being a numbers guy, being, you know, being a smart guy, just that probably you don't, you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to get too deep into it, but also it's gotta be really cool to be, have that feedback, say, have the feels and then see what happens, you know, off of those feels and off of those releases. Is that something that you really enjoy diving into or do you try not to get too deep into the nitty gritty with the numbers? So I have a pretty good idea of like the pitch shapes and stuff that I'm able to create. So there are some things that I don't like worry about, like creating as much as other people, just because I'm trying to stay focused on like what I need to do to become a good pitcher for myself. Like right now, don't get me wrong. Like, obviously I can, I, I, I love like asking my friends and stuff, like what their cues are, like what their profile is. And I try to like digest like, okay, this is like how they're queuing up. And this is like what they're game planning for in terms of like what they want their pitch profiles to look like. Yep. But I think that uh, for me, like overall, it's super fun to look into that stuff because it's, you realize like, like how much there is actually to play with and like, how much like opportunity there is to like, like it's, it, it, it's, it's like one of those things you're just trying to be figure out like what makes you, you and what makes you different from everyone else. So mm -hmm. like giving, having numbers to be able to go through that and being able to play with those numbers to try to game plan for like a pitch design that you have in mind is like a really fun experience for me. And it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you can try to do something or tinker with it every off season. And I, and I would say like, more or less, I haven't added a new pitch every offseason, but I've tinkered with something like with regards to like pitch shape and pitch design every offseason. It's something that that has stood out to me as well is it's kind of the, the, the minimal horizontal movement on the fastball, uh, which, again, helps that ride just just play up on, on another level. Um, you know, just having only two to three inches of horizontal. Is that something that you again naturally do or, or was that something that you tried to kill more of uh, just to, to have that vert play up more? Um, that was just something that came naturally as well, fortunately for me. I, and I definitely agree that it does help it play up more. So I feel very fortunate to be able to have that. Um, I I think the main thing that I've taken into account with that is just, once again, it's it's like pitch profile off the fastball. Like, what do I want my slider to look like? Is like Is like, what do I want my slider to look like? How do I want it to tunnel off that fastball? And so, like, although I didn't, like, uh, intentionally, like, intend for my fastball to have two to three inches only of horizontal movement it did provide opportunity to uh design like pitches elsewhere that would play really well off of it so so going off of that slider now or going off the fastball to the slider now um that's a pitch yeah. that i mean it's it, when you you've been able I, I was looking at some clips uh earlier today just watching some starts uh before before we hopped on and uh, there was uh, several at bats where you would throw the slider three times in a row and, and you'd get the same three swings or you'd get a take and then the same two bad swings. And like, that's when, you know, a pitch just seems to be not only good in a vacuum, but just also really difficult for hitters to pick up because you can just throw a triple up on it and get three extremely uncomfortable swings. Uh, what is the evolution of the slider been like? Because it, it has always been good for you. Um, 
but you mentioned just kind of tinkering and doing some things here and there. I, I've noticed that a little bit less vertical movement, that the horizontal, maybe a little bit more over the last the last year you threw from 21 to 22. Uh, what are some of the things that you tried to do to optimize that slider off of your, your you know, hoppy fastball? So I think uh, the main thing is just uh, is the name of the game for pitchers is to force like uncomfortable swing decisions for a hitter. And so something that I really truly believe is that I needed a pitch that I could throw in zone a lot, like in the strike Mm -hmm. zone a lot, like whether or not they swung or not, just to be able to like throw a lot of strikes off of like at a comparable rate to like my fastball. And so what kind of pitch did that look like for me? To me, it looked like a more of a harder gyro slider cutter ish thing Mm -hmm. that was uh, like I said, I could throw in the zone for a while and also would be hard enough that if they are, that it's not like something, a uh, pitch that like a hitter is able to easily recognize like early and like make a swing decision based off of that. They're making a swing decision because they're going fastball and then adjusting to that. So that was like the main thing. So I've actually like really honed in um, something I've actually uh, really worked on was you mentioned that my slider maybe got a little bit more depthy in 2022 as well i wanted to try to get back my slider to like more of like the velo and movement pattern of 2021 so what does that look like it looks like maybe a little less depth but like maybe a couple miles per hour harder just because Mm -hmm. i think it's like super important for me in terms of like a strike throwing pitch to be able to like maybe take a little bit of movement away just to throw a few more strikes and force some more swings and then also get the velo a little bit up to like that 87, 88, 89 range to be able to force a swing decision off the fastball rather than like having a, uh, rather than a hitter, like being able to make it a swing decision off the velo difference itself or like the shape difference itself. Like that's important to me as well. And that totally makes sense. And is that a pitch that you, you feel like you can manipulate a little bit to where maybe some of them are, are a little bit harder and cutterish, and others are a little bit more, more depthy uh, at a little bit lower of a velocity? Right. So I think that uh, to righties, I have like a little bit more leeway with that, like in terms of like maybe getting a little bit more depth on it to be able just because you get a little bit you have you're at the advantage with the pitch just naturally moving away from the bat path. Mm-hmm. And so like it's 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 a tougher pitch just in general for righties to hit. But I would say definitely for lefties, like a cue that I have is just throwing it as hard as I can. Like I want it to be hard. I want it to go in to the barrel and I want it to look like a fastball for as long as possible because I'm not necessarily always trying to get a swing and miss on that pitch to a lefty. I'm trying to throw it in the zone and I'm trying to force a swing decision off the fastball. So it's like, my hope is that if I throw a good one of those pitches, like at best it's a strike in the strike zone because I'm throwing it where I need to be. And at worst it's a foul ball because they're swinging for a fastball, but the movement profile and the velo differential is just different enough that it doesn't hurt me in that regard, that it's not that, it, that, that I'm able to avoid like hard contact um, because of like, because I did the work in like the pitch design process. Like I figured out like what my approach is I want to be for that. And then I can go to my better strikeout pitch, like my changeup or something whenever I'm in a plus count, like a one, two, Oh, two count. Potentially. And that's exactly what you did, especially against lefties. I mean, that changeup is is a pitch that you had a ton of confidence in, both in 21 and 22. But the, the dominance of that pitch, both in the zone and, and getting chase outside of the zone, is is really impressive. But it, it almost plays like like a screwball sometimes with the way that it has almost this, this arm side just dive to it and some of the swings that you're able to get. When did you really find that changeup the way that you have and 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 what would you describe it as? Because it is such a unique shape and it, it looks sometimes like it's, it's moving even slower than it is because of, I think the amount of, of, of kind of fade that it has, but you're still throwing that pitch in, you know, what is the, the low eighties for the most part, which is still a ton of separation from your fastball, but sometimes mm-hmm. it looks like a, a legitimate, like mid seventies screwball. Yeah. It's uh, I, so I put a lot of, uh, I was first tasked with that pitch design process um, after my first uh, professional season in 2020 in 2019. So that was the year I got drafted. I pitched like 30 innings in pro ball and uh, Pete Mackey, who is now the pitching coach for the twins was the pitching, my pitching coordinator at the time said, Hey, main goal that we have for you is you need to get depth on your changeup, see what you can do and come back at spring training, working with that, like try a few grips, see what you got. And, uh, 
And that was pretty much all the guidance. I was given a lot of freedom within the pitch design process to try to find a grip, to find a try to find a movement profile and to try to find just a change it that worked for me. So, and um, it was kind of like halfway through that off season where I was like, man, whenever I try to throw a change up right now, my middle finger just gets right behind it. And I'm spinning it just like my fastball. I'm not getting that much. Um, because I'm spinning back spinning it so well, I'm not getting much movement differential for my fastball. It's, it's a very, it was a very okay pitch. Like in terms, like it had some velo separation, which off my fastball, which was good, but not much movement separation. I was like, what is the best way for me to be, be able to like maybe get my middle finger less involved because that was the main thing that was back spinning it. Huh. How can I get my middle finger less involved? And my solution was to get my middle finger off the middle of the ball. I split my grip. I split my grip between my middle and my ring finger. And the way I describe it is I weight my, my, uh, I weight my hand on the ball towards like the inside of the ball. So I wish I had a ball with me right now, but it's like, I'm almost like trying to drive down and into like the front side of the baseball like this. Like, so like at release, I'm literally like getting like down and inside of the baseball. Now I have some movement capabilities that actually allow me to do it. Like there's some, there's a lot of pitchers where you tell them like, Hey, try to over pronate this pitch, like literally get your hand out in front and they're not able to do it. But I think I'm fairly unique in the fact that like, if I queue up something like, Hey, you tell me to get my finger out in front. Like I have the movement capability to be able to actually kind of get down on the side of the ball and in front and over pronate like this at ball release. And so what that did is it, kicked the axis and created a lot more depth on the changeup just because like I'm able to like finally get my middle finger off the side and get it to come off these. And then it also imparted a lot of gyro spin because I'm actually able to get down and in front of the ball like this. So think just like how a lefty slider would come down the side of the ball like that. Like I'm doing that, but with my, my index finger a little bit. So like the efficiency of that pitch, so like the amount of bullet spin I'm putting onto that pitch is actually fairly, fairly significant. I'm throwing at like, if you know, those numbers probably at like 50% efficiency. So it's, 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 yeah. it is kind of like a lefty slider in the terms that there is a lot of gyro spin in it. Obviously like the velo is not like what you'd expect from like a, a lefty slider, but in terms of like actual, like the type of spin and the type of gyro spin that I'm putting onto it, that's kind of the, the feedback that I get from that. And does that give you confidence to be able to go with it right on right too? So it's, I, I, I have a lot of confidence just in the pitch overall. And I think re regardless of my changeup or someone else's changeup, I think right on right changeups are just a great pitch in general. And that uh, like, it's, it's like you, you, it's, it's a good way to, to at least like shift the tone of an at bat, like being able to put, a third pitch in the strike zone or near the strike zone and induce a swing is always good. And like a change up to right on right is always going to be good for that. But I feel fortunate in the fact that my changeup has enough downward depth and plays downward, like because I'm imparting enough gyro spin, it doesn't have as much arm side as you might think for like the axis itself. So it plays a little bit more splitterish. So it's like, I'm getting, I'm playing off of that cut carry fastball a little bit by having something that goes more straight down and maybe not as much, dive arm side so huh. it's like because it's also playing like more depthy off the fastball and less like kind of soft and down into like a bat path of variety or something then it's it feels like it still plays really well to righties as well so it's almost like a circle split in a way right because that fourth finger yeah. is going to be split across if i'm following correctly and then the middle yeah. finger is going to be with your pointer finger but that's also yeah. going to be in kind of a circle grip yeah. So it's, 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 so it's kind of like you ever hear of like a Vulcan change. It's kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Instead it was like literally my circle change grip, but I kept my ring finger and pinky the same and I just moved my middle finger over more. So, and that it's, was, so it, it, it really wasn't like that huge of a grip change in terms like I kept my ring finger and pinky and the cues I was doing through that pitch the same, except I was trying to drive into the side of the baseball with my middle drive into the side in front of the baseball with my middle finger. And I was, like I said, I was weighting the baseball to that side just to be able to make sure that my middle finger was way less involved and I wasn't just straight up back spinning it. 
Do you have to do like finger stretch, finger stretches for that stuff? Because like, I, I hope some people that are listening right now are like playing with their hands right now in terms of like, put your, your, your two fingers together, your pointer in your middle, and then make a circle grip. And then with that fourth finger, try to create a gap between those two. It, I mean, I can't, I like can barely yeah. do it, but obviously putting the ball in there over and over yeah, and over. You're able to wedge it open a little bit more. Yeah. And did it's, did it's, you just like a, hang out and watch TV with the ball in your hand like that? Or like, did you just always kind of have a, a bigger hand in, in the, the mobility with your fingers? So in the early part of the pitch design process, like there was, the pitch was good, but I was prone to just losing the pitch arm side, like, because like it was tough to stay like out on the other edge of the ball. And I would just like, I would, I would throw get that in the like this and it would just kind of, fly out like this but as i threw it more and more often like i was able to figure out how to kind of keep this side as like a guardrail from like losing it like arm side too much and then the other part about that too was that uh eventually it was like as i threw it more and more i was probably able to split it a little bit more and get this more off so wherever i first started throwing it, it was probably more at like uh uh 10 inches of depth off my fastball, then as I threw it more and more and I was able to weight it more and more to like the inside of the baseball, my hand and split it maybe a little bit more, it probably went more to like 15 inches of depth. So I got like, uh, it was one of those things like over the course of a year, year and a half, I was able to, I was like, I immediately got like 10 extra inches of depth off my fastball. And then as I got better with the grip, as I threw it more, it probably dipped down like another five inches or so. That's that's awesome. I, 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 if you couldn't tell, I could do this all day. I'm already we're already going long because I could talk about pitch shapes forever. It's so yeah. fascinating to be able to, to to pick the brain of someone who can physically do it and then is also sharp enough to be able to explain it the way that you do. So thank you so much for no, being no able problem. to do that. And I know that the audience will be able to to really understand what what makes those pitches so good because of the way that you're able to explain it. The last thing I wanted to talk about is just kind of going right back to to where we started which is you know this exciting year for you, you what's going to be your your rookie season and and one that I know Twins fans are very excited to see and 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 pumped to see how you can help this team which you know made it to the playoffs has a lot of talent and I know that you're eager to to be able to contribute to that but on the other side of it too it's like I'm sure you have your personal goals you have personal things that you want to be able to do for yourself and and then that, those are always you know going to tie into helping your team win ball games i just want to start with with where you're at in terms of you know getting ready for this year it's a unique situation because you've dominated to such a ridiculous degree i think you've struck out 39% of batters uh, as as a professional um and, and now you know we're seeing that with teams with you know, arms like yourself, like they don't want to waste too many bullets in the minor leagues. So like, I don't know how much you know about your situation and where you're going to be and how they're going to, you know, potentially use you. But what, where are you at for yourself in terms of your personal goals? And then how do you try to tie those in with, with team goals without, you know, getting too hung up on things that aren't in your control? Yeah. So obviously I want to, have a full healthy season this year that would be there would be very few things in my life that would make me happier than that um just in terms because i haven't been able to do that since i've come into pro ball and a lot of it i do believe is because i had a lingering injury that eventually like culminated in a surgery so i never really had like a completely like true shot of being able to do that but i think that i've worked hard enough to be able to put myself in a position to do that this year so i'm really excited to see how that goes. And then uh, what was the other part of that question? I'm just, sorry. Uh, it was, the- you know, on the team side, you know, just, just knowing that, you know, this is a, a competitive team at the big league level. Uh, yeah. Obviously you, you haven't thrown in a while, but you know, if you're throwing the way that you've been throwing, you'll be ready to help. But it's one of those weird situations where it's like, you know, you're going to have to figure things out in terms of getting ready, being available, and then kind of waiting on your name to be called I know health is a big part of it, but also you're on the 40, you've got the stuff, yeah. your track record speaks for itself. How do you kind of manage what's in your control and out of your control and, and, and still try to stay on task? Yeah. So I think the way I focus on like what's in my control the most is just that like ultimately like the things I choose to work on and develop, like that's within my control. So as long as my development goals aligns kind of like with the organizations a little bit and like what they see for me, and as long as I'm holding myself accountable to holding up my end of the bargain, like achieving those goals, then it's going to just fall down to opportunity at that point. And that's not something I'll worry too much about because I know if, if the twins have their best interest in mind, uh, my best, if the twins have my best interest 
like are looking out for my best interest and I'm, I'm certainly looking out for my best interests as well, then like those things will eventually align. So as long as I keep on staying true with like making sure I'm attacking hitters, staying in the strike zone, competing and trying to like get ahead of hitters and get a lot of swings and misses, then all that stuff will eventually work out. And it's like, and it's like, hopefully I can get back to like how I was throwing in games in 2021, 2022, like keep on striking out hitters, keep on limiting hard contact. And then it's then at that point, as you get, it's the old, it's just, as you get more and more hitters out at like upper levels, then it's like, you really don't have much left to prove. And then hopefully you can just do it with the big league team after that point. So I'm excited. You mentioned and something I think that's really important to clarify for for people that, you know, may not understand your your injury history here that, you know, it, it, it would look if you look at like the, the baseball reference page, it's like, oh, he had an injury this year and then he had an injury this year and then he was out the next the year after that. But as you mentioned, it was the same recurring injury that you were trying to rehab and, and avoid surgery with. Right. And then ultimately you end up getting the surgery. So it was the same issue that now you have 100 percent operated on taken care of and now you're healthy that that's the correct assessment of it right it was just the same thing kind of coming back you were trying to avoid surgery and then end up having to get it but that delayed the timeline a little bit we just saw something similar with andrew painter you know of the of the mm-hmm. philly system and you know several different arms that have tried to delay it sometimes you can sometimes you can't but then if it comes back up and people might misunderstand that as multiple injuries yeah i think it's so in my head it's like i view it as one injury it was so there was a point in time where I was able to get like my arm in good enough shape to be able to throw in games again, but there was always something still lingering. And it was one of those things that you just hope eventually it went away, but instead of it going away, it just got gradually worse and worse. And like, even though my MRIs were coming up relatively clean, um, it just wasn't, uh, it just wasn't working out. Uh, And so like, I hope that the surgery is like the end, to this whole saga um obviously i have a whole season to try to prove that and be able to say like i put that behind me but i'm i'm very hopeful at this point it's and i'm just and it's one of those things where it's yeah it it, it was tough to be able to maybe maybe not get surgery in the very uh, at the inception of the injury in the first place but I mean, this year, this past year was a great year of development, great year of of being able to learn about like what I needed to do to like try to put myself in a better position to help the twins. So uh, we'll see how it pays off. I'm super excited about it. Last question for you is, is do you have any idea of what that role could look like? What's interesting is, you know, again, it's a team that's trying to win now. So there's different ways that you can help Chris Paddock coming back at the end of the year last year was coming out of the bullpen, throwing absolute fuzz. That must have been, you know, kind of inspirational to see him coming back and doing what he was doing. And, um, you know, I'd love to hear if, if you know, he's been any resource to you. But uh, just in, in terms of, you know, obviously you've shown that you can start, you've shown that you can dominate turnover lineups and do all that good stuff, but you're also you know, going to be on some sort of an innings limit. Uh, and also it's a team that is, you know, very talented and can use you in probably a bunch of different ways. Do you have any idea of what your role could be? Or I know you're going to say just, just knowing getting to know you over the last hour that you're probably going to be that I'll help in any way, but do you have any idea of what that role could be? Yeah. First off, let me, I'll just say Chris Paddock was really cool last year. It was cool to be able to rehab with him, get to know him a little bit. And it was extremely cool to be able to see how he pitched down the stretch. And then also um, in his case, like I would love to be able to contribute in like the way he does, like whether it would be um, just wherever the twins need innings. And that would be very cool. Um, however, like I would say like the more laid out plan for me at this point is to build up as a starter for this spring training. And I, I'll, I do have like an innings limit probably for this year, like in the hundred to 125 inning range. So kind of like the game plan for that is to be able to build up slow into spring training. I'll break on time, but I'll probably be on a pretty strict pitch count to start the year, maybe three innings at a time or so um, whenever the year first comes around. And that'll give me enough time to really get my feet wet with games, really hone in what I need to do to be able to compete against since I haven't done that now in a year and a half. And then really give me a chance to hit my stride during the middle and end of the season to be able to finish strong wherever, whichever level that might be at. Well, I'm excited to see you do that. And, and 
I know the Twins fans are very pumped to see you do that as well. You've been one of the more dominant arms in all the minor leagues when you're on the field and, and, and now being back on the field, it's, it's, it's a better place. Minor league baseball is a better place. Major league baseball will be a better place with you on the mound. So excited to see you do that this year. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to hop on and talk about your journey, talk about your insane change up grip and, and everything in between. And we can't wait to root for you this year. Thank you so much for, for taking the no, time to talk to us. Thank you so much, Arm. I appreciate it. It was nice getting to know you as well. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.